Welcome to The Rock Church, a vibrant, enthusiastic, edgy church meeting in West Bridgeford, Nottingham. You can find out more about us by visiting the-rock.org.uk. We hope you were blessed by this message. I'm about to invite Kathy to come and speak to us. She's had a restless night, so I'm going to pray for her. And before she gets up, we're going to just show a little clip. But she's going to be speaking on something called pivot points, which are meaningful moments in life. And I know that Kathy's had a few of these, not least the way that she came to join us over five years ago when she found herself at a Rock Chicks conference and God was telling her, calling her out of her church to come and join us. And had she not, it does make you think, doesn't it? Gosh, where would we be now and where would she be now? So Heavenly Father, we speak the blessing of you, Almighty God, over her as she comes to minister your word to your people. Lord, I pray that people will have open ears and open hearts to receive what it is that she is trying to say this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. We're going to play the clip. Thank you. Oh, yeah, well, come on, up, 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 up. Ah! Yes, here we go, pivot. going to pivot anymore. You think? <laughs> All right, let's uh let's bring it back down and, and try again. Okay. Okay. Oh. <laughs> okay, yeah, I think it's really stuck now. <laughs> I can't believe that didn't work. I know, me neither. I mean, you had a sketch. <laughs> oh, you know what? What did you mean when you said pivot? Good morning, good morning, good morning everybody online. What we've just watched there is one of my favourite scenes from one of my favourite sitcoms. Every year between 1994 and 2004 they released a new season and I watched every single one of them. And Lottie, my daughter, she's equally into it as I am and, and she's watched every one of the 10 seasons and 236 episodes during her stay in hospital. She's watched it more than once as well. But what we didn't see in that clip, because I just had to cut it a little bit short because of streaming purposes, is, is that Ross had devised a sketch, which um, Rachel alluded to there at the end. He'd, he'd made a plan, and um, a plan that clearly didn't go to plan, evidently, hence the requiring of the pivot, and ultimately ending up in Chandler, a.k.a. Matthew Perry, who very sadly died only a couple of weeks ago, but it ended up in him getting stuck. I'd already begun to formulate this message in my head before he died, and so that's why I just wanted to show the clip, because it felt appropriate, and uh, just to remember him, really, and to honour him today on this special day. But I'm sure we can all identify with this scene in the respect of having something in line that, in our life, sorry, that doesn't go to plan. Not going to plan in the way we expected it to pan out. And it can be something life-changing or something just in our day-to-day. -day. But in that moment, 
we have to pivot, don't we, or change our course of action to meet the demands of whatever situation we're facing. The COVID-19 pandemic was one such pivotal moment that affected every single one of our lives. Everything changed overnight and the whole world, the whole world had to pivot into a different position to cope with the situation we faced, how we worked, how our children were educated, how we exercised, how we shopped, and how we did church. We had to massively pivot, didn't we, in every single area of our lives and adopt a new position, a new way of doing things. But we all have those pivotal moments in life, don't we? The pivotal moment of saying, I do, in marriage. The pivotal moment of a child being born. A pivotal moment of hearing a diagnosis of a life-threatening illness. A pivotal moment of a child choosing to walk away from Jesus. But we also have pivotal moments on a daily basis. A pivotal moment of choosing to walk in peace and content in a difficult situation rather than allowing fear, anxiety or stress to take over. We all have pivotal moments. And I feel like I've been living in an ongoing pivotal moment for the last three and a half years with Lottie being in hospital and the ongoing battle that we face daily to get her to a point where she can safely come home and resume her young adult life. So I am preaching to myself today with this message as much as I am to you. Right, so let's get going. Anyway, the title of my message today is Position in the Pivot. I'm going to read us a story of a man named Jairus from Mark chapter 5. It's going to come up on the screen. And it says, When Jesus had again crossed over by boat to the other side of the lake, a large crowd gathered around him whilst he was by the lake. Then one of the synagogue leaders named Jairus came, and when he saw Jesus, he fell at his feet. He pleaded earnestly with him, My little daughter is dying. Please come and put your hands on her so that she will be healed and live. So Jesus went with him. A large crowd followed and pressed in around him. And then a bit further on in verse 35, it says, While Jesus was still speaking, some people came from the house of Jairus, the synagogue leader. Your daughter is dead, they said. Why bother the teacher anymore? Overhearing what they said, Jesus told him, Don't be afraid, just believe. He did not let anyone follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the home of the synagogue leader, Jesus saw a commotion with people crying and wailing loudly. He went in and said to them, why all this commotion and wailing? The child is not dead, but asleep. But they laughed at him. After he put them all out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him and went in to where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means little girl, I say to you, get up. Immediately the girl stood up and began to walk around. 
She was 12 years old. At this, they were completely astonished. So we get the picture, don't we? There's a wealthy man, a synagogue leader called Jairus, and his daughter is sick. He hears Jesus is coming, and he goes to find him, and he falls at the feet of Jesus. My daughter is sick, he says, and I know that if you come and lay hands on her, she'll live. And so Jesus begins to walk with him. But then we read in that situation, another thing happens if you go to the, to the Mark chapter 5, and it says a woman who's been bleeding for 12 years falls at the foot of Jesus' hem to touch it, and she is healed. If I were Jairus and being desperate to get Jesus back to my house, I'd be like, come on, Jesus, hurry up. This is urgent. I'm desperate. Can we keep moving? I know she's your child as well, and, but she's been healed. Come on. There was a desperation to Jairus. And then a couple of people came and said, don't bother the teacher anymore because your daughter is dead. Yeah, we can only imagine what Jairus was thinking in that moment, hearing those words. The, no, the words that no parent ever wants to hear. And as he's receiving this news, I love what the Bible says here. Overhearing what's been said, Jesus comes to Jairus and says, do not be afraid, just believe. And again, they begin walking and they walk to Jairus' home and there's lots of wailing and crying. Back in, back in that time, people would hire people to come and wail and cry when somebody died. And Jairus, being a, a rich synagogue leader, would have hired a big crowd of people. So there was a lot of noise. And Jesus is like, what's going on? What's all this commotion for? Your daughter's not dead. She's just asleep. And then they go in and Jesus just removes the people from the house. And the only ones who can go in with a little girl are Jairus and his wife, Jesus, Peter, James and John. And they go into the room and Jesus says to the little girl, get up. Talitha kum. And instantly she gets up and is healed. I mean, this is a powerful story about going from death to life. But I want to explore three pivotal moments in this story that could have ended up in a completely different outcome. You know, Jairus had three pivotal moments where he had to make a choice, a decision. And the first pivotal moment came when he fell at the feet of Jesus. We're told that when Jairus saw Jesus, he fell at his feet and pleaded earnestly with him. Please come and put your hands on my daughter so that she will be healed and live. Like here is Jairus, his heart is being torn out. His daughter may not live and he was desperate for Jesus to come and heal her. He wasn't thinking, right, this is my plan A. I've got a plan B like Ross had, a plan for his settee going up the stairs. This was his last hope. He was desperate. He didn't necessarily know how it was going to turn out, but he was desperate. He just went to Jesus anyway. You see, you and I face these pivotal moments in our lives too when we're faced with that situation that only God can take care of. 
we also have that decision to make. We can either fall at his feet and be so desperate for him and say, Jesus, you are my source. You are my only source, my only hope. I don't have a plan B here. And if you don't move, nothing is going to happen. In those pivotal moments, either we fall at the feet of Jesus or we don't. What are some of the reasons why we don't fall at Jesus' feet in desperation? Have you ever been disappointed by the Lord? Like you've been praying about something. Maybe you've been praying for someone to be healed and they died anyway. Maybe praying for a new job that doesn't materialize. Maybe praying for a prodigal child you're desperate to come back to Jesus. Maybe that's one of the reasons. I wonder if there are any of you here today who find yourself in that place where you've been disappointed because a prayer wasn't answered. You know, you're at that pivotal moment. And if that's you, if that's you today, I want to encourage you to re-engage with Jesus with every fiber of your being, to fall at his feet in desperation. I think another reason that we don't always fall at Jesus' feet is because sometimes we can be a little too self-sufficient. We like everything to go the way we planned it in our heads. Sometimes when we're praying about something or we need to make a decision and we're not getting the answers we want from God, we tend to go, okay, didn't hear anything. I'm going to go ahead, take over now, do it my way. And when we do that, we become self-sufficient. And in our self-sufficiency, we don't fall at his feet in desperation. In that pivotal moment, when we go down our own path, there's often more heartbreak. There's often more pain. And we find ourselves having to go back to Jesus and repent. And then we find ourselves back in that pivotal moment where life isn't going to plan as we engineered it in our minds and we're stuck, just like Chandler was behind the settee in the clip we we watched. And so in this pivotal moment in the story of Jairus, he decided he was giving it all to Jesus. He was laying everything down at the feet of Jesus. And whatever that burden is, whatever that pivotal moment is in your life, or whatever it is that's on your heart, I just want to encourage you again to give it all. To lay it down at the feet of Jesus and be desperate. To adopt that position of surrender. Because if Jesus hadn't made this first decision on his path that day, this pivotal moment, if he hadn't fallen at the feet of Jesus, he would never have had his daughter live in the end. And so I'm wondering if there are some of us here who don't have our miracles, we don't have our breakthroughs answered yet because we haven't fallen at the feet of Jesus. Pivotal moment number two in this situation occurs when the two men come to tell Jairus that his daughter has died. It says, and in that moment in Mark 5, 36, it says, overhearing or ignoring what they said, Jesus told Jairus, don't be afraid, just believe. 
Can you imagine what was going through Jairus' head in this pivotal moment where, let's be honest, he can tell Jesus to forget it. It's too late. It's over. Thanks for wanting to come with me, but there's no point now because my daughter's died. Or the other pivotal moment for Jairus was to listen to the voice of truth that said, don't be afraid, just believe. Jairus chose Jairus chose that voice of truth and continued walking with Jesus. You see, right at the beginning, when Jairus fell at the feet of Jesus, Jesus started walking with him, and he continued walking with him in that moment. In John 10, verse 27, it says, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them, and they follow me. Let me ask you all a personal question. What voices are you listening to? We have the voice of the enemy, don't we? The one who comes to deceive us, to kill, steal, and destroy. We have the voice of the enemy who sometimes says, Jesus loves other people, but he he doesn't love you. Sometimes we hear the voice of the enemy who says nothing's going to change. Why bother? Sometimes we hear the voice of our past. Maybe the voice of a parent who wasn't particularly kind to us, saying that we would never amount to anything. Or maybe we hear our own voice of insecurity and shame that says, how can God love me after everything I've done? What voice are we listening to that distracts us from the voice of truth. And we see Jairus in this pivotal moment deciding to listen to the voice of truth and we must do the same. Rather than listen to the other voices which, let's face it, can become really loud. Who here is doing freedom in Christ at the moment? Yeah, a few of you, brilliant. You'll know this then when I say that we can choose what we think about. We have that control. We don't have to think every thought that comes into our, into our mind. I read that it takes seven seconds for a thought to think a thought before it takes root in our mind. So if you have a thought that pops into your head that you don't have to continue thinking about it. But I appreciate that's easier said than done. So how do we hear the voice of truth? Well, Paul gives us a possible answer in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5. And he says, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So what do we do? Well, we have the word of God and we have our thought. And we have to ask ourselves, does our thought line up with the word of God? Does that thought line up to who God says that we are in him? Does that thought line up to what the Bible tells us about God's love for us? And if it doesn't, then we cast it out. We blank it out and we say to ourselves, I'm not going to think that thought anymore. And sometimes... We may have to do that a million times a day. 
Yeah? It goes to show that sometimes, you know, we can allow our thoughts to run away with themselves in our head. It's easily done. And we do that, don't we, rather than bringing them to the obedience of Christ. Paul also says that if we're going to take a thought captive, then we have to put something in its place. A new, a different thought. And he says this in Philippians chapter 4, verse 8. He says, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. If anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about those things. Now, our minds can't think two thoughts at the same time. Well, mine can't. Anyway, I don't think some people, yeah, some people may, but I, I can't. I can only think one thought at a time. And if we don't want to think negative thoughts, then we have to think on good thoughts. Yeah, we have to think and remind ourselves who we are in Jesus. We have to focus on what is good and not on what is bad. Or think about what we do have as opposed to what we don't have. Another way that I find to stop thinking negative thoughts is to simply tell ourselves, stop. Take any negative thought captive and replace them with a God thought. It takes practice, but it works. And I'm sure there are many of us in this room, if you're like me, that over many years in my walk with Jesus, I've gone off track because I've allowed the voices to become too loud in my head instead of hanging on to the voice of truth. And that's pivotal moment number two. That's what Jairus had to do. He had to take those voices who spoke death and hold on to the voice of truth that said, do not be afraid, just believe. Pivotal moment number three occurs in Mark Chapter 5, verse 40, when Jesus says, the child is not dead, but she's just sleeping. And then it says, but they laughed at him. After he put them out, he took the child's father and mother and the disciples who were with him, and they went into where the child was. Pivotal moment number three, Jesus steps in and removes the doubt and the distractions. You know, and what I love about this story is that if we fall at Jesus' feet in desperation and we begin to hear and hold on to the voice of truth, then when it comes to our doubt and unbelief, Jesus can just remove it. And the first two pivotal moments are more on us taking action, like there are decisions. But when it comes to this pivotal moment, Jairus could have said, no, Jesus, forget it, they're laughing at us. They think we're a bit, woo. Let's just leave it. But no, he just continued to believe as Jesus had instructed and Jesus removed the doubt from the room. I just love how Jesus steps in and takes over if we allow him. And I think for us, we're sometimes in those pivotal moments in life and we just have to believe because I don't know about you, but I, I don't know how to remove my own doubt. I guess if I could figure that out, I wouldn't have any. So we don't know how to remove it, but Jesus does. And in that pivotal moment in life, when we choose to journey with Jesus, when we continue to walk with him, and again, I love that from the moment Jairus falls at the feet of Jesus, 
Jesus walks with him. He never left his side. You know, when we fall at his feet and we're desperate and we say, only you, Jesus, only you have the answer. Then he walks with us. He doesn't leave us and he doesn't forsake us. But what we must remember in this pivotal moment, number three, is that only the Lord can take our unbelief and our doubt. Only he can remove the distractions from seeing him alone in what is possible. So how do we allow Jesus to remove doubt? Because if we want to see breakthrough in these pivotal moments in life, then doubt has to be removed from the room. So we can speak life over our circumstances. The Bible tells us that blessings and curses come from our mouths. So are we speaking life or are we speaking death over our situations? And the more we speak life over a situation, the more our doubt is going to be removed. Now I'm talking about calling on the promises of God as to who we are in him and who he is in us. And we can let doubt, fear, worry overtake us, or we can choose to call upon the Lord. God has promised that if we call upon him, he will deliver us. And we can also memorize and quote Bible verses throughout the day. Sometimes we do need to remind ourselves on an ongoing basis through the day, and this is a great way to do that. Have them on your phone Have them on your computer, stuck on your fridge, in your journal, in your diary, wherever, on the back of your hand. This is a great way to remove doubt. And the other thing we can do is praise and worship. Have you ever been in that place where your situation has left you so broken that when you turn on the music, you can't even sing? The tears just start to fall. I have. Many times. I put the worship music on and I just say, Lord, this is coming from my heart. You know I can't even get the words out right now. But Jesus, this is my heart's cry. And sure enough, within 10 or 15 minutes, the tears start to dry up. And then I'm praising and singing. But, you know, that's what happens when we come into his presence with praise and thanksgiving. We are changed and our doubt is removed. Amen. Worship team. I want you to imagine now that you're Jairus. Would you choose these three different pivotal moments the same way he did in the situations you're facing? Now, are you so desperate for Jesus right now that you're falling at his feet and walking with him? Or are you positioning yourself in your own strength and self-sufficiency? Are you like Jairus and listening to the voice of truth? Or are you listening to the voices of around you that are trying to deceive you? And are you like Jairus and willing for the Lord to remove the doubt so that you can see what seems to be the impossible become possible 
Because remember, the miracle wouldn't have happened if Jesus, if Jairus, sorry, if his position in that pivotal moment, in all of the moments, but particularly in pivotal moment one, hadn't happened. And all through our lives, we have these pivotal moments. Some are massive, potentially life-changing moments, and some happen daily. And we do have the choice in these moments. But I need to tell you, again, we won't see the miracle unless we're on our knees in desperation, crying out to Jesus. The Bible doesn't record any words that Jesus spoke to Jairus in that moment when he came to Jesus on his knees. It simply says that Jesus just went with him. Sometimes the Lord doesn't need to say a word to us. We just need to know that he's with us. We need to believe he's with us. We need to know his presence never leaves us. Jesus walked with Jairus and stayed with him. And there are some of you here in pivotal moment number one. Now this whole story reflects going from death to life. And that's what happens when we give our hearts to Jesus, when we ask him to come in. We go from death to life. And there are some of you here maybe this morning who have never called on the name of Jesus before in your life. And if your heart has been stirring whilst you've been listening this morning, then maybe now, maybe now is that pivotal moment in your life for you to make that decision. And there are some of you here who may have been a little self-sufficient or a little disappointed by God and you might be in this moment saying, I have to fully come back to Jesus and give everything back to him, give him my whole heart once again. Or you might be in pivotal moment number two. Maybe you've been walking with Jesus but the deceptive voices have got so loud because maybe the time frame has been so long between what you feel like God has promised you or spoken to you and now. And today, today is the day that you need to start to take those voices out and hear the voice of truth once again and just believe. And some of you are in pivotal moment number three. You've been crushed by fear, disappointment, depression, anxiety, or doubt. And maybe it's time once again to believe for the seemingly impossible to become possible. The possibility of being set free from whatever it is that's keeping you bound. The possibility of God providing in a really difficult financial position. The possibility of inner healing with things you've been struggling with for a while. But in this pivotal moment, number three, I want to encourage you to ask God to remove the doubt from your heart so that you can, can excuse me, begin to see the impossible become possible before your very eyes. Can you imagine... What would happen if each of us in this room allowed God to be God of our lives and see the impossible and believe for the impossible to become possible? What a witness 
that would be to our friends, to our families, to the community around us, when they see the power of the gospel living and demonstrated in our lives. We're going to make some space for, for prayer right now before we go into the last song. And if any of what I've said this morning has resonated with you, if you're in any of those pivotal moments, then I want to invite you to come up. Don't walk away from here without coming and laying it at the feet of Jesus. Amen. Thank you. Thank you.